It's good to see you here tonight. Now, wasn't it great to hit the, the musical this morning? I mean, didn't they do a good job? Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Where, let me see. Oh, there's Brittany. You, you sounded so good. And Haley, you sounded good. And, oh, man, Daniel, Ben. Now, wouldn't that be lovely? A congregation. All, all of the choir sounded good, but these are just the people that came out and sang, you know. Well, I've, I've heard you, though, before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard you before. And, and uh, some of them don't feel comfortable singing solos, but wouldn't it be great for, to hear solos by these people every once in a while? Hey, amen, amen, I, I think so, I think so, so, uh, you know, God's given them some talent, and don't they want to use it for God's glory, amen, amen, okay, <laughs> I tell you what, if you start singing, we'll prepare a song, and I'll sing with you girls sometime, <laughs> Now, I, Donis and Tim, I, I, I've never heard them sing uh, solos, but uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're good. They, they could do it. They could do it. Well, you know, and it doesn't have to be a solo. It could be like a quartet or a group-like, you know. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, me. What is Christmas to you? I mean, what does it really mean to you? Think about what it means to people. What does it mean to you? What does it really mean to people? I mean, uh, when you think about Christmas, what do you think about? I'll tell you what a lot of people think about. Gifts. Santa Claus. Decorating. Children, food, yeah, busy highways filled with crazy shoppers and travelers. You know, going to musicals to hear either family members or children perform and see, see them perform. What does Christmas really mean? Is it a lot about sentimentality or is it a lot about, you know, just mere feelings? Is it a lot about a joy that's temporary? What, what is it? What is Christmas? Well, I think one thing that we need to understand is, to understand this, we need to understand when does the Christmas story begin? When does it begin? Does it begin this Christmas when we talk about baby Jesus? No, it doesn't. It doesn't begin in the manger. It begins before creation. I mean, this will help us understand Christmas better. 
And he'll under, help us to understand what we're going to be talking about tonight and understand what was going on as we talk about this. You see, we're going to be looking at Matthew and Luke. I didn't get to preach this morning, so we're going to preach out of both chapters, which means it'll probably be going on until about 10 o'clock tonight. No, I'm just kidding. But these two give us a historic account, don't they? Uh, what took place in order that the scriptures... As Matthew says over and over again, as the scriptures might be fulfilled. That's a phrase in Matthew that we've seen over and over again, isn't it? So that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now, why the scriptures? Well, the scriptures were given by God to the prophets to foretell. And if they were given to, to the prophets by God then where did they originate? With God. And when was that? Before creation. So, in, Ma in Luke, we, uh, Matthew and Luke, we read the narratives here concerning the birth, and we understand that the, uh, this moment in Bethlehem, and this is so important, was the fullness of time. In other words, this was the right time. The fullness of time. This was planned out in eternity past by God, given to the prophets to prophesy about, to come about at the right time. And it came about at the right time with Jesus. So the first response that we're going to be looking at is the first response of obedience. Have you, I want you to think about this. Obedience. Now, who was the first one in the New Testament to respond in obedience? Who was it? Was it, let's go, let's go to chapter 1. Who, who was given the message? Yeah, Mary. So, let's look in chapter 1, beginning in chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hell favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, perplexed at this statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now there's a lot in there. And I want you just to focus in as we pray right now on how Mary, an adolescent probably, how Mary must have felt how she felt when she got this news. Now, I want you to 
to pray and ask God to help you to try and understand this because what are we doing? We've got the Bible, don't we? We've got the facts. We're looking back at the story. We know what happened. We've got spiritual eyes to see what has happened. Here was Mary, who was a young, picture, picture yourself as an adolescent, as an adolescent, and an angel appears and tells you this. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word, for your truth, and I pray that our eyes will be enlightened, our hearts will be receptive, and you'll challenge us, convict us, encourage us, Lord, strengthen us with your word. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have, in this passage, a name of a young girl. Her name is Mary. Now, it says about Mary that she is a virgin, right? In other words, she has not had any relationship with a man. And she is engaged also to a person named Joseph. Now, in all likelihood, as I mentioned earlier, she is a young woman, probably in her adolescence. And we have Mary, who is a young virgin, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to her and begins to speak to her in a language she's having a hard time understanding. In other words, here is a young person trying to understand what this angel is the message that she, he's given her and so you've got to understand she didn't have any formal formal education did she I mean she didn't go to any big school any prep school or anything else uh, she probably overheard things that were taught in the synagogue and she was probably personally taught at home we would we would uh, seem to thank that by knowing uh, somewhat what she knew but she did not have what we have today the knowledge that we have and so now she is confronted by an angel who greets her with a salutation that she is the favored one and then she is told that the Lord is with you now in verse 29 we have probably a, um, <laughs> a massive understatement here. It says, but she was greatly troubled or perplexed at that statement and kept pondering to what kind of statement this might be. So we have a very young girl who is confronted by an angel who declares her to be the favored one of God and who is really perplexed. Number one, what's going on? Number two, what does he mean by this? And then we see that the angel continues in verse 31 uh, with the salutation, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Ever. Now that's another thing. And his kingdom will have no end. An adolescent girl 
told by the angel. She will conceive in her womb a son who will no less be the chosen one, the Messiah, who will reclaim and reestablish the throne of David. But not only that, this reestablishing of the throne will be not temporary, temporary, like David's was. It will be forever. Mary, who had not yet married, she is being told, you will have conceived within you a child and will call his name Jesus. I'm telling you who you will or what the name will be. And he will be the Savior. He will be the Messiah. He is the one who will reestablish or be reestablished on David's throne. Now, what do you do with that? Put yourself in her place. She doesn't have the completed Bible like we have. Not only that, but the angel tells her, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. It is one thing to hear that he would be the Messiah, but if you look at this, he would re, uh, be reestablished on David's throne. But not only that, he would reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom would have no end. Just think about that. Did David die? Yeah. His dynasty came to a, an abrupt intermission. But David, or uh, d even though David died, here we have the Messiah who would come and reign forever and his kingdom would have no end. Now Mary asked the question, well, let me ask you something. How can this be since I'm a virgin? Now are you putting yourself in her place? Never had a relationship. Here the angel is telling her that she would conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. He tells her later. And tells her all of this about his kingdom. And she says, but I am a virgin. Now this is not a hostile question. I dare you say this. This is a genuine question it's kind of like in in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus you remember that Jesus talking Nicodemus he said you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God and Nicodemus answers with a question how can this happen how can a man be born when he is old he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born can he and Mary is saying something much like Nicodemus. Her question is much like Nicodemus. How does this work, in other words? In verse 35, the angel answers Mary and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Now, if you'll remember, the angel earlier had called the child the son of the most high. Now he calls him the son of God. He says he is the son of God. The Davidic king 
whose throne will be reestablished now says this person his throne will not only be reestablished but it will last forever for that reason the holy child shall be called the son of god only god lasts forever he is the one who is a creator and he gives us the eternal life doesn't he and so this is what he's telling her and in verse and behold even your relative elizabeth in verse 36 has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called Barians now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. Isn't it neat? Christmas is not just a narrative story, is it? Oh, it, it carries sentiment with it, and, and it, there's a, a sweetness about the time and, and a, a, a good feeling about the time, but it's not just that. It's not just about a sweet little story. It's a decoration of truth. And that truth, that decoration of truth requires obedience. Which will it be? Obedience or disobedience? And look at Mary's response in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to to your word and the angel departed from her what did Mary say if this is God's will may it be done whatever God says may it be done now you think about it for a moment as I mentioned earlier think about this young girl think about if it was you and the angel appeared to you and you didn't have the completed body you weren't where you are today, where you and I are today, and we are, we're looking back on the story. And so this is a beautiful picture of her absolute submission, her obedience to the will of God, the call of the gospel. And that is to be the mother of the Messiah. Not understanding everything, not knowing everything. When we come to the Lord, when we accept that call, when we are acting in faith, what do we do as we go in obedience to receive Christ as our Savior? Do we understand everything about it when we're born again? No. We come as a child. I remember I had some doubts later on in my salvation because I thought, well, you know, I didn't know this theological thing about the, the scripture. I didn't know this or that. Maybe that means I'm not saved. No. We believe by faith. Don't we come as a child. We come in obedience, accepting Christ as our Savior. That's it. That's it. A beautiful passage. But how many times have we missed the power of this passage? And that power is her obedience to God's will. Boy, that obedience required faith in God, didn't it? Faith in truth. Mary receives a commission, the command, and she obeys it. Mary becomes a, uh, an example of us of obedience at Christmas. Man, what a beautiful picture. 
But let us look at a second response of obedience. Now, this second response is a little different because it's probably the most neglected. And this is a story dealing with the character of Joseph. We can't help but question why there is so little about Joseph. But there is very little about him. What do we know about Joseph? One of the first things that we will be able to say and and children will tell you, well, he was a carpenter. Where does that come from? That's just a comment about him and the family in it from Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, where Jesus is an adult and Joseph is uh, long off the scene and people are questioning about him and some say, well, isn't he the son of the carpenter? We believe that Joseph is somewhat older than Mary. A lot of theologians do. And all we know is that he was old enough to have a profession. He was a carpenter. And he was old enough also to be betrothed to Mary. We know uh, very little about him though. But we do have something far more important than those facts about Joseph the most important fact I think about Joseph is that he is of the what line Davidic line he is of David's house and this is very important important for Joseph because he was not Jesus physical father but Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb and would be identified with Joseph's family. This is so very important so that he could be on the Davidic line. He will make him of the, the David's lineage. And the house of David, you know, it's a very large house, and, and Joseph is a minor figure in this house. But it was so because of Scripture. In Luke 2, chapter 3 through 5, it says, And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Oh, we need to go back to Matthew and get the full scene about this. We see the importance of Joseph because Jesus' legal father, not physical father, made him a part of the Davidic line. But how was Joseph obedient at Christmas? Well, look in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. We're told that Mary and Joseph were betrothed. But before consummating that betrothal by sexual relationship, she still was a virgin and was found to be child by way, with child by way of the Holy Spirit. Now in Matthew, we have the decoration made to Joseph primarily where Luke it was made primarily to Mary and so uh, for 
here we have, and, and picture yourself as Joseph. Here was a girl, here was a beautiful young lady that he was betrothed to. I mean, when, when they were betrothed to, that meant that it was just like marriage in that engagement period. They, they did not fool around. They did not uh, have any relationships with anybody else. They didn't do anything. It was just like they were married. And then all of a sudden, she comes up pregnant. And he's, he hears about this. Now, if he heard the story from Mary about it, how do you think he took it? For a good man, an upright man, to be betrothed to a woman with child and the child not be his would be inconceivable. That violated everything that Judaism had taught about the sanctity of marriage. Joseph entering to a betrothal with Mary had a claim upon her, just like in marriage. And the claim did not include having sexual intercourse with her until marriage and her with anybody else, especially and not, especially, and, and not even him. But it did mean that he was betrothed to her in a way that meant that she was exclusively, exclusively his. And now she is found with child? He knows that this is not his child and it's a public issue. You can't hide it. And so Joseph is not only having to deal with his own internal response to the matter, but he having to deal with it as a public issue. It is a public scandal that is waiting to appear. And so it is a public reality and he'll have to deal with it. Now, we're told in verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. Joseph could have sought charges um, of adultery against her, and that would and could have included ex execution. But we're told that he did not want to do that, and we're told that he didn't want to disgrace her and, so, and make it a public issue and her a public issue because once that, that's made, then more than likely she'll never be married to anyone else. That was the way it was. And so he wanted to send her away privately, it says. And then when he ponders doing that, something happens. Look in verse 20 and 21 of Matthew chapter 1. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Joseph is sleeping, and an angel appears to him now he appears to Joseph in a dream and he says do not fear take Mary as your wife and the the fear would be the loss of his social status and and the fear would be the loss of his reputation and so 
Uh, how could he, though, not fear with something like this? For it seemed like someone had uh, defiled his wife, and uh, that meant that there was unfaithfulness. But the angel says, no, that's not the case. And he reveals to Joseph what has really happened. That which has conceived in her, has been conceived in her, is of the Holy Spirit in verse 20. So he, uh, the angel tells Joseph that the child of Mary was placed in her by God, by the Holy Spirit, not by any man. She is still a virgin. And what had been planned in eternity past was being fulfilled with his wife now. Next, the angel explains why this has happened by telling us who the child is. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sin. The child that Mary was carrying had a special mission, he said. And he was to be the savior of the world. And the, the, the Greek wording there, the way it's expressed is very important. It's emphatic. In other words, it's saying it is he and no other who will save his people from their sins. Wow. The miraculous event was a fulfillment of prophecy of old. It said this all took place so that what was, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets of old might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So the angel's uh, revelation to Joseph was necessary at this time. Necessary because Mary was in a humanly impossible situation. She couldn't relate it to him and him believe it all. It had to come from God. God had to open up his eyes. So she knew she had been faithful to Joseph, but what, she could, what she, uh, could she do? What, what else could she say? And uh, the, the angel came to him and let him know that this was no mere human. It was divine human, the Messiah. There is no way that she could ad adequately explain to Joseph what had happened. This is why God sent the angel to Joseph to explain what was going on. The angel's announcement to Joseph, it served to defend Mary's moral integrity so that Joseph could marry her in good conscience. Now, what did Joseph do with this? This is so very important. I mean, just because the angel of the Lord came to him doesn't mean that it was easy for him to accept it. You've got to, you've got to look at this. God had to reveal to him this. In verse 24, we're told, And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as uh, the angel had told him to do. And so this is what he is, he is telling us. He's telling us that, that he did what the angel told him to do. He went and he, he did this and he carried out this order. Just like with Mary, he was obedient and that took a lot of doing. And then what happens later on? What happens later on is they're, they're told that uh, in, in um, Matthew chapter 2, 
If you'll look with me, it says um, in verse 22 and, and 23 that uh, the angel of the uh, Lord came to Joseph again. And what happened there? He told him to depart, didn't he? He said that uh, in chapter 2, verse 22, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he departed for the regions of Galilee. Why did he, go, why did he do that? Because earlier, just like that, in verse 13, if you'll look back, and when he had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. Two different times, two different times he was faithful and obeyed the Lord, and it was not easy for him to do. If you'll go back, um, you know, to uh, after the Magi came to him, and after they had gone to uh, Herod, and, and they uh, found out about this, and, and uh, the angel appeared to them and said, okay, uh, Herod is, is going to uh, uh, kill all these children. Uh, Jesus is, uh, you know, in danger, so flee to Egypt. That was not an easy command. Why? Not for a Jewish boy, because what had he been taught about Egypt? Man, what did they observe? Yeah, the Passover, the deliverance from Egypt to go back to Egypt where there was bondage at one time. And so what this, this is why it was not easy for him to do. But what did he do? He obeyed the Lord. And he stayed there until the Lord told him to return. Now when he returned, what happened? We see that in coming back, that the angel appears again and tells him to go to Galilee and not Judea. Go around Judea, go around Jerusalem, do not stay in Bethlehem, go to the north, away from Judea, away from Archelaus, away from Herodian threat, in other words. And he left for the regions of Galilee and lived in the city of Nazareth. That what it says in, in verse 23, that what shall be spoken through the prophets, once again, and that is a phrase that that uh, Matthew uses over and over and over again to let us know that what's happening and what happened in the life of Jesus was a fulfillment of Scripture. That he shall be called a Nazarene. Here we have Joseph once again obeying. He once again was an example of obedience. So as we look at this passage, we see the importance of obedience. Christmas is about obedience. Fulfilling the truth. Doing what God would tell us to do. We come, and why do we come here and look at it as a special time? It's a special time because Christ is fulfilling the scripture. And to know the truth, we must obey and receive Christ as our Savior. But it's not only for Christmas, is it? 
I mean, Joseph, man, he obeyed to go to Egypt. He didn't understand everything. He obeyed to come back and then go another place and settle down so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And we must understand the importance of obedience to the truth. I think that's one of the key words for Christmas. If you don't remember anything else is obedience to the truth. And two of the best examples. Man, you think about it. These are young people who didn't have the Bible, like completed Bible like we have. And were met by the angel sent from God and told what to do and obeyed. And it wasn't easy either. With the pregnancy, with going to Egypt, with coming back, none of it was easy. None of it was of convenience. But it was all about obeying truth, obeying God. Jesus came so that he, as it said in the musical this morning, could reign in our hearts and reigning in our hearts means for us to be obedient to him and the truth let's bow our heads and pray